of two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah, have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you're paid so you're for. Saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Okay, fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> Hello, football fans, and welcome to the greatest Australian football podcast there is. I am the greatest host that could possibly be in charge of this show, uh, Nick Stoll. Uh, we've got Josh Parrish on. We've got Ante Yukich on. Uh, Joey is going to come later and promote a bunch of articles. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's lots of things to talk about in the league, both on and off the pitch. Um, but, Josh, why don't we kick it off with you? Tell me, what was your favorite moment of the weekend? Let's start with some positivity. Stefan Mork says that there's too much negativity in the league. Let's start with some positivity. What did you like? Like about this week, great hosting style. I love it. Don't definitely don't have any reservations about you stealing my gig off me this week. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> positive. Uh, we're going to big up the podcast. We're going to big up the league. We're going to big up Nestori Iran Kunda scoring a late winner, his second goal of his career, and they've both been bombs. So that, that was great. I loved it, um, and I love the celebration too. The backflips. I mean, it, it was a fucking ripper. <laughs> <laughs> a minute in and you've already dropped an F-bomb. This is, this is a loose show already. Uh, hey, we're welcome. past the watershed. It's after 9 p.m. we're kicking it, off here. It is after 9 p.m. Uh, <coughs> welcome to everyone tuning in. Thank you so much for everyone who does tune in uh, every week and everyone who gets in contact uh, at TNC Football. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear all your comments and thoughts, especially if they're positive about me. Uh, if they're negative about me, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan. Keep that to yourself. No, no we, look, we can't, we can't have any negative thoughts. We've got to ditch the naysayers of the, That's it. the National Curriculum for, you know, podcast. We just can't have any naysayers at all. No negativity and, whatsoever. If you're a supporter of Australian football, you have to support the, the National Curriculum Football Podcast. 100%. And speaking of uh, you know, someone that you should support, uh, Joey Lynch is joining the podcast. Joey, we're just talking about the fact that this podcast, you know, I really want the fans out there, no matter, no matter the issues, and there are issues, we can say that there are issues but we're working on them but to no, keep we have positive to forget, we, forget those stay positive only talk about the positives focus and, and and believe that this is going to get better and to keep faith because this podcast is a sleeping giant all right this podcast one day will be the biggest thing have you seen, in the, world. Have you seen the junior subscribers to this podcast oh huge i i, I i've been in here for 30 seconds and you're getting cancelled <laughs> I jump in early. I'm still working, but I jump in early because you guys can't possibly operate as a triumvirate. And then oh. I get to <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's look. Let's talk about the game that just finished tonight. Uh, Western United uh, beat Perth Glory 2-0. Um, it was a Perth home game in Tasmania. None of these uh, words would make any sense to anyone who doesn't follow the A-League minute by minute. Sorry. Perth is playing in Tasmania against Western who? Well, anyway, um, but West United on top of the table. Look, geez, they ride their luck every game. Let's be honest. But at, at what point? At what point? Uh, and I'll start with you, Joey. At what point are you riding your luck 
but it, it's no longer riding your luck. At what, po- at what point is hope actually a strategy? <laughs> I think it, we're rapid. We've probably reached that point with this West Indian <laughs> side. They've won seven games, one nil. That's a trend. They've already set the record for most games in a single National League season um, with one nil wins, and we're, we're only halfway through this one. They've got the most miserly defence on a per-game basis this season in the league. I think you talk about hope not being a strategy. It isn't against a certain calibre of opposition. And what Western United are doing, um, the level of buy-in that Aloisi has engineered into what they are doing, especially on the defensive end, I'm not certain in this current... A league men's season that their bubble will burst with the caliber of the opposition that they do have to face in this A league men's season that their bubble is going to burst. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of the interesting thing, right? Because Ante just like teams that you know traditionally ride their luck, the the kind of conventional wisdom is, oh, they'll get found out as soon as they come up against a higher quality opposition who will make them kind of pay for their, their ways. Do do we have that in the A League? Team K that was punishing like, them. I keep I keep coming back to this every week with Western United. How much of this is them being able to defend stoutly, and how much of this is down to the low functionality of teams in position in the A League? How many teams can actually expose Western United? And you know, from what I saw of the second half, um, it wasn't great from Perth's from Perth's perspective. Like they had a lot of the ball. A lot of dead possession. Mm. Jamie Young is like he's. <laughs> there was a there was an in, there was a funny stat actually. I laughed like as as they showed it on screen. Like um, Jamie Young has made the most saves of any goalkeeper in the league, while you know Western United are top of the league. And Phil Moss was <laughs> was exhibiting evident confusion as to why that is. Do you not watch the A League every week? <laughs> it's ridiculous, and I mean, if if teams are just going to play U shaped possession against Western while they go up, mm. they can live with that. But the thing is, they enjoy playing. They enjoy the shithousery. They revel in it. Yeah, not in an so, overtly villainous way, but the, I think they enjoy the defending, and that's where Aloisi and Fox have galvanised them in that respect. I want to – I'll come to you in a minute, uh, Joey, after we get Josh's thoughts. I do want to preface this with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of John Aloisi personally. I think he's a really good guy. Um, and, you know, it is pretty impressive what Western United are doing compared to where they have been previously. But having said that, does the table lie? Because I don't think – and I'd love to know if thoughts this. I don't think they're the best team in the competition. And when I look actually back at their results, okay, they played Perth Glory – Today, Perth Glory, whose season is basically, you know, it's, the worst it's a, team in the league. Yeah, and and Perth Glory, it's and in the worst with or without COVID, well. they're the worst team in the league. Right? Yeah. Okay. So then they that, sorry they they beat uh, Sydney FC at home. Sydney FC are having massive issues. That was the game before they beat Western United in the game before. Uh, sorry, Western Sydney in the game before that. We know the issues that Western Sydney have. They played Sydney FC again. Then they played Western Sydney again. So they've been, they've this little recent run of form has been against Sydney FC. 
They've played Sydney FC twice. They've played Perth Glory once. They've played Western Sydney twice. Uh, they had a 1-0 win against uh, Melbourne City, which is probably their most impressive result. Uh, they uh, lost to Wellington Phoenix. They lost to Melbourne Victory. Um, this is now going back all the way to December. So there's been so many postponements. They haven't actually played the Jets this season, for example. We, they have played the Jets in the Cup, though. In the cup, which um, was at the very, very start of the season. And they jammed it. And the same way that, you know, <laughs> you, you, let's talk about that Sydney game. They were under significant distress in that first half. And Sydney should have put them away in the first half. In the same way that they were under significant distress in the second half against Western Sydney the week before. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can have teams that can play, yeah, you'll put them under pressure. But... Coaches actively go against that with their decision making and in game adjustment. Like it's no real surprise that you know Lustitz's winner in that Sydney game comes with Burgess being moved from central midfield. By the way, Burgess in central midfield, fuck me dead. He's the truth, man. He, uh, we, like, will, we will get on to Sydney FC. Anyway, we'll get on to Sydney so. FC in a minute. All right. Josh, thoughts on Western United? Is this an is this an A League champion team in the making? <laughs> I mean, we've seen champions before who were just good at punishing other teams' mistakes. Uh, I don't know if there is a best team in the A League at the moment. I'm I'm struggling to separate these sides given the differences in the amount of games that have been played, given the inconsistency of form. I think it will ultimately prove to be Melbourne City who are the best side on their day, <coughs> as opposed to other teams' best sides on their day. But you know, I I'm struggling to separate one from the pack. In all honesty, and Western United are a good reactive team. They're not a good proactive team. We know that. But 38% of the possession, and they can punish you. And Priovic is starting to really play well now. You know, he he's starting to look the caliber that he really is when you look at his CV and his record. Uh, when I interviewed him early in the season, and he, you know, I basically my question sort of implied that he was some kind of fox in the box poacher character, and he sort of he, he kind of bristled at that a little bit and said, you know, I, I hope I can be more than a finisher, <laughs> and you know, he, he was, uh, he's right, he is, you know, he's he's someone who can bring his his teammates into play and be a bit incorporative in, in moments. So, uh, and he's a very smart finisher um, uh, to go along with that, and we saw that with a goal against Perth, but Perth Glory, any results against them I wouldn't read into at all because that team really checked out on the season and the central midfield partnership that they put out today was honestly like not a league caliber Timmins and Oxborough you know that, that was painful to <laughs> Mitch Oxborough as, a, as an A-league player I don't think he's good enough and you know they, they paired him with a, a guy who's he's had very few first team minutes so you know if, if Brandon O'Neill doesn't play they don't look like an A-league team mm, I don't know like I, I, there's a but look at the there's an A League player in Oxford. I, I understand what you mean, but the, like the I, I think of the, of the midfielders, they let Nikolai Topol Stanley drive through uncontested into that space on the edge of the box. And he's he's Bambi on skates, but he's still he's still got an assist. You know, I can't say that's at the end of the day. I think I think the fact that they haven't got Bodmar Bodnar in midfield is a is a is a big loss in comparison to Oxborough. Oxborough, like O'Neill, uh, I have, I have, I have thoughts on Brendan O'Neill, but um, at the end of the day, you can't have Burke Gilroy 
and Clisby as your wingers in a 4-3-3 and expect to do anything in possession, irrespective of whether, you know, Steins and Collie play together or, you know, the fact that Armiento is injured or, you know, for the season. And that's created certain dynamics with, you know, who they must play as their wingers. They're just one... I don't want to say they're bad because I do... Uh, like, they've had to play a lot bad. of... They're terrible. Like, they, they have... There are players you can make a good eleven out of the team, out of the players they have, out of the squad they have. You can, or at least make some a relatively functional eleven out of the players they have. But Garcia just exacerbates that on a weekly basis, with his selections, with his uh, in-game adjustments, and his substitutions. Um, you know, just. But yeah, at the end of the day, like I said, they are considering what Garcia doesn't doesn't do, they are the worst team in the league with or without COVID, with or without, you know, the restrictions of Markland. Um, yeah, they're, they're just not very good as they now, are composed. They've managed they... to assemble an entire squad made up of wingbacks and strikers. <laughs> you know, like, it's. I mean, I, I agree that Garcia is a problem and I, I don't, know if he'll survive the season maybe he has the built-in excuse but I I just think this squad was so unbalanced from the get-go that any coach who inherited it was going to have difficulties over the course of a season yes maybe you can get one functioning 11 out of that group but it's so horrifically unbalanced and depending on what kind of a role Garcia actually played in assembling that team and there's some serious questions that need to be answered I think McFlynn is is potentially at fault here as well more than imbalance like more than tactical imbalance i reckon there's a big financial imbalance too and Mm. they are not getting value for money with the players they probably are spending significant amounts of money on and they have to yeah and they have to rely on kids who are not being optimized let's say um because there are players there, they're, they're like yeah, it, all they need is just a show of faith and a continuous show, like a continuous run of minutes. And there are good A League level players in that squad. They just they just need some faith. And but I don't think they'll get it from Garcia. So speaking of not getting value for money, the Daniel Sturridge experiment, we can say, you know, kind of there's been some moments of very unforeseen circumstances and border closures and COVID issues and da 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 But he came on at halftime uh, against MacArthur. He went off 20 minutes later with an injury. Was, was, this, was this foreseeable? Yes, COVID becomes irrelevant when you know for a fact he was not going to be or you know continuously on the pitch. He was going to get injured at some point. And this is something I said at the start of our preview together, Joey, at the start of the season. Like, what does a Daniel Sturridge signing represent for how Perth Glory perceived themselves as a footballing entity? And... I don't think it matters very much to Tony Sage if Perth perform like shit, but Daniel Sturridge is on the pitch mm. and, you know, putting bums on seats, essentially. 
Do you guys think like that it will make the other owners reconsider marquee experiments? Because it, there does seem to be a lot of chatter, even with the kind of the, the A-League saviour complex of, oh, we've got this Silver Lake money. Oh, they're going to bring in some big name marquees. Oh, the league was at its best when... And there's also that narrative of the league was at its best when Del Piero and Shinji Ono and Emil Heskey and whatever else was in the league. And there's a kind of a feeling of, oh, marquees will solve all the problems. Do you think that this this specific Sturridge example will make owners go, all right, this is really more risk than it's worth? I, I think, think the there's this... things have uh, MLS brain and think still are of that mentality that if we get coverage, then it'll be good. If we get, you know, uh, a one-off big attendance, then it'll solve things. Like uh, everyone forgets that that Del Piero Sydney team was dog shit. They were terrible. Mm. Mm. Horrible. Yeah. One, and, one of the worst. People, you say everyone forgets, because, not the people it wasn't, who went to the like, stadium. It wasn't, oh. it, wasn't because of the, it wasn't because of the marquees in the league that the A-League experienced its best period. Uh, the A-League experienced what, you know, or what came to be its best period because there was a, you know, there was a significant tactical shift going on in the league at the time as well. It wasn't because of, you know, Del Piero, you know, basically phoning it in after, after 45 minutes every week or Heskey, you know, I don't know, existing. Getting marked, um, marked out of the game by Lee Broxham. And this is this is a this is a um you know, to use an expression that has been used on this podcast already, there's a difference between concept and execution. And the execution of the Marquis signings has been nothing short of you know abhorrent. <laughs> um, you know, outside of let's say Keske Honda in the past five years. Yeah, and you know the MLS when you look at it in terms of marquees, I, I even wonder is do you really look at that and like has that been a success bang for buck? You know, is the LA Galaxy a huge team despite ma, having ma, David fuck Hacker the MLS, there? fuck the MLS. Oh boy, oh, seriously, stop. Sorry, yeah, all the best to him, but fuck the MLS. We are not the MLS. We are not like, and that's what shits me about the alien conceptually it's just that it's such an americanized concept shoehorned onto an australian sporting public like especially an australian footballing public that is grown or come to be in anything but an americanized you know sporting implementation I just it, it shits me to tears how much people try to align us with the MLS conceptually. Like, fucking stop it. Um, <laughs> look, Western United Perth, uh, I knew this topic would somehow get onto fuck the MLS. Uh, Joey, you have a quick point to make before we move on. Well, I needed to do well. I needed to just feed my gimmick and get my shit in and plug my shit for tomorrow. Um, so basically, the reason I was so articulate um, beforehand about Western is because I do actually have a piece coming out about them tomorrow. And one of the things I'm, I wanted to get back to Aloisi and to a lesser extent, Carl Viet. One of the ideas that I postulate is that in the current um, A League setup, hurry up, of, wrap it up. The caliber on. of caliber of opposition, it is possible that being a good bloke against the current standard of opposition can actually win you games. Think about it. Aloisi has this team buying into what he does. They're playing for him. They're rallying around him. They're closing out one nil games. Carl Viet, 
this pod has taken a lot of issues with Carl Vietz coaching in the past, but none of us have con- ever contended that he hasn't assembled a very healthy dressing room and a very good culture at the club. And what are Adelaide United doing? Was They're that, in everybody's really game. really Viet alone? Well, it'd, be, it'd be an exaggeration it's, to put it's that on Viet alone. It's him and his staff. I'm using him as a okay, okay. figurehead for him and his staff. He and his okay. staff have assembled an incredible locker room culture. And what's happening? Staff. Staff. Fudge off. That's racist. Um, <laughs> Adelaide is scoring a ton of goal in the last five, ten minutes of games. They're never dead in any football matches. It's an idea. It's a concept, I think, that in the current state of the Aliga men's, Good blokes are actually worth a win every now and again. Just you know what? So you're saying nice. So you're saying nice guys are finishing first. Yeah. No, what you know what he's saying? He's saying we're, Warren Moon Brisbane Raw is an asshole, and he's saying <laughs> Nick Montgomery is an asshole because oh. they're bottom of the table. That's the only logical conclusion. It's not. It's not get. a total summary. It's not the, the league wide rankings aren't a list of best blokes are bastard, but it is a factor. <laughs> Want to know who he's saying bastard? Either you bastard. <laughs> Want to know who the biggest asshole is in the A-League? Tune in at the end of the season. We'll look who's bottom and we'll just declare them the biggest asshole. I'm going back to bloody riding now, you bastards. (laughs) All right, let's move on before we defame the other Um, Or we say say words like staff. Uh, Last minute, lucky winner. Staff. (laughs) Uh, I personally like Joey's accent. Thank you. I believe Uh, all racists in this podcast. Honest to God. If if Uh, our comments are anything to go by, there are a few people who like Joey's accent. Oh, yes, it's true. We ate. That's another thing. We do love your feedback, although sometimes it gets a little creepy, like when you say Joey's Joey's, wonderful voice. Joey's accent getting an open palm slap in this one, in this podcast. (laughs) Um, Slap. Sydney FC. Oh, you know what I've done there? I've stuffed up the um, – I've put Sydney FC winning there. Someone might have to fix that. Last-minute yeah. Leckie winner compounds Sydney's issues. Sydney <clears throat> FC, despite uh, what that little super said down the bottom, Sydney FC uh, won- lost the game 2-1. Uh, Ante, you think that you've seen something positive from Sydney FC recently? Yeah. Uh, Max Burgess is like Max Burgess as a CM is is so so bloody good, and you know, pardon me for criticising Phil Moss again, but I, look, I had I'll be honest, I had the um, I had the I had the commentary on mute while I was watching the Sydney uh, Western Western United game, and I had you know just music on, and I was told that you know. Uh, Phil Moss wanted Max Burgess closer to goal because he can dribble and stuff. Um, but no, like he's he he's a natural. He's a natural as a midfielder, and uh, yeah, I think Corica might get the best out of him at that position, given who Sydney currently have. Josh. Is is there any chance you can teach your buddy Bird just how to block a shot though? <laughs> any chance? Nah, don't worry, he's got enough runners. He's got enough runners to do like that. this, and then curl, like jump and put his knee to his chest when he's trying to stop Leckie's last minute winner. All right. So speaking of defensive issues, did you find uh, Melbourne City's first goal that scored kind of on a counter attack? Uh, I know it went down. I think as an own goal, but you know. Uh, Naboo played in uh, McLaren, who played in Leckie. 
did you think Sydney FC were incredibly open given the state of the game was nil all 31 minutes <clears> in, <throat> and they basically had one player back defending that counter-attack? Are you asking me or Ante? Uh, I'm asking whoever wants to answer, but Ante was blowing his nose. So. <laughs> um, I Bad hosting by game. me. Minus one point. I didn't watch this game, so you guys go for it. Uh, um, the, floor, the floor is yours. You get to speak about football now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, City always better in transition, I suppose. Um, I, a lot, there was a lot of talk about Leckie's performance in this game afterwards, but he did butcher a couple of really good chances before he ended up scoring the winner, including the goal that ended up being a, an own goal. You know, he's put that much too close to Redmayne and then just bundled in off, off Retro. It, it, was, it was pretty open um, on the counter-attack. I think Sydney FC made it simpler for City than they otherwise could have. Um, and, you know, I just don't... I just don't think Sydney are as good when when Retro plays in central midfield. I just he just sucks. I, well, <laughs> he I sucks. mean, um, you know, he's he's this utility guy who gets used by every well, you know, by every coach in every position, and it's always after he has a bad game, it's always oh he's not a fullback, oh he's not a midfield. What is his position? I don't know what his position is. I, he's I just a bad midfield. He's he's an obvious weak point for me every time he starts for Sydney, um, and I think. You know, they'd be better off, as you say, starting Amini Burgess as the central midfield pairing and just trying to dominate the ball. At least until at least until Yazbek comes back. Yeah, I mean, y- Yazbek is, is the guy who's going to cover the ground and do the dirty work yeah. if you're going to play him yeah. alongside. So, you know, what? Well, you know, like eventually, I know they brought Amini back, but Yazbek Burgess doesn't seem like a, a dysfunctional pairing or a dysfunctional tandem for Sydney. Um, you know, obviously with Newenhoff, he's not going to play f- for quite a while now, um, which is a shame because he's off contract coming coming into this se- coming into next season. But um, yeah, the aspect Burgess might work. Um, um, however much Amini was a panic buy, and they needed to, you know, they needed a midfielder because you know we they don't have Bratton. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if uh, Corriga has that level. I just filed, uh, so I'm good, guys. Uh, <laughs> I I wonder if Corriga has that level of experimentation within him. Nope. You know what I mean? He doesn't seem like someone who really he, he kind of likes to go with the trusted names, hence why Bobo and Lafondra are still up front coming years after their Coming prime. back to, um, you know, I think I might plug something now, something I wrote uh, during the week on you know coaches who have gained experience outside of the R League level, that's probably you know the the one knock on someone like a Corica or a Kuznilbo or a or a Tale or a Garcia to use another example or a Viet. How do they adjust when when you know the proverbial starts to hit the fan? Um, and because Corica, frankly, inherited the strongest the strongest squad in the league, or you know the best players in the league. Um, however much Sydney FC's account would like to tell you otherwise, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, now we're getting to see, you know, the real Steve Corica. Now, because he has to adjust. Now, because he has to kind of find solutions amid. I mean, difficulty and his ability to find solutions is leaving a lot to be desired 
Joey, you were at the uh, Melbourne City Mariners game during the week, right? Yes. 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 So you you saw uh, Marco Tilio's performance uh, in that three-two uh, victory. Did you think it was a surprise that he didn't play uh, this game against Sydney, or he didn't start the game? No, I don't think it was a surprise. But I can say that regardless of what how we played against the Central Coast Mariners um, already and all not because you know, I just go back my, I'm going to have to do also full disclaimer I didn't watch the game Melbourne City versus Sydney FC I took a day off and hung out with my girlfriend for the first time that we've both had a day off in like four months sue me internet um, but I don't think anything that happens uh, that's really happened with City this season has been a surprise um, in the extent, and it comes back to what Ante talked about um, with coaches having to make adjustments and Kisnorbo. I don't really think we've seen any adjustments from Kisnorbo yet. This, oh no, we saw an adjustment once when he was forced to um, for, uh, for that first game against the Mariners in Gosford. Performance that we we all said was probably the, their best of the season. That was also a necessity. Yeah, that's that what I'm saying. He, he adjusted yeah. once, not by choice, and then he just right. went back to so exactly. Can you, talk, can, you, can you call that an adjustment then? If it's out of necessity and you're forced into some kind of you know decision, I was pulling a bait and switch before you went through. It, but okay. <laughs> um, you got to get to um, your point faster, otherwise someone will do it for wrap you. It wrap it up. That's it. I like it, Ante. <laughs> just I'm get in. All right. No, I'm not surprised at anything that happens with Melbourne City. Tilio does play sometimes. He doesn't play sometimes because he's down in the pecking order. He's down in the hierarchy. So he is allowances for him playing are not going to be made over the likes of Naboot, Leckie, um, McLaren, and. Berenier either, but Berenier with good reason because Berenier is the best player in that side at the moment. He's making them tick. Josh? Uh, I think the A-League needs to institute a new rule uh, and that is a the opposite of the away goals rule. It's a home goals rule. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, some. Uh, I think we need to somehow redress the balance of the team with less of the ball winning uh, and that's the only thing I can think of. So, uh, that, that was our... The Can't legislate. Can't let us season. You know, it was 42% of the ball, Melbourne City wins. Western United, 38% of the ball, they win. You know, it's the, the pattern of play in the A-League. And I'm just glad, you know, we had a couple of winning goals in stoppage time this week, which was good entertainment value because I, I didn't think the football in the park was anything particularly to write home about. Uh, you shape for days, baby. You shape for days. <laughs> Sorry, positivity. What a game. What, hey. <laughs> what a game. Wow, what a game. It was such a great atmosphere. Great football all around, guys. What did you make of it? All right, all right. I'm muting Ante because uh, he's ruining my introduction to the next thing, next topic, which is uh, Reds Mariners. Wow, guys, what a game. Actually, wow, what a game. <laughs> nah, just, is that a just gimmick? Wow. You know what? Wow. I will say it was uh, it was nice to see um, the pride match uh, that Adelaide United had, especially when you think about you know where we were as a sport last season. You know we didn't have any openly gay players. This wasn't a kind of 
this wasn't a concept really that was, I don't know, I'd never really heard it spoken about other than more than, oh, we should have one at some stage. Um, but, you know, from all accounts, it was a success, uh, you know, uh, and what a wonderful goal from Irun Kunda uh, last minute seems to only score bangers, the, the young uh, player from Adelaide. Uh, Joey, your thoughts? Um, just something on the pride rounds. Just wanted to come back to something you said that we didn't have one um, last season. And whilst I, I, I want to acknowledge Adelaide United for being the first to put one on, that has no doubt been driven in part because Josh Cavallo very bravely became the first openly gay men's football player currently playing professionally around the world. We have had out and proud um, gay women playing in the W League and A League women's for years, um, so I think it's in, you know we, there was it's a bit of a shame that it's taken a man to come out um, before we get to this point. I know you the circumstances surrounding a man coming out versus the circumstances of the LGBTQIA plus community in women's football is chalk and cheese, and you have to acknowledge that. But it would be great moving forward if that if this becomes um, a regular thing, um, it doesn't just get, you know, lost in, you know, men's and women's, you know, there were, there were trailblazers in this space and it was, it has become an important part of the landscape for um, those that identify in lesbians and um, others in that sort of community in the women's footballing space for a while. So I did want to acknowledge that, but at the same time, as I said, really, um, not appreciate it well really great that Adelaide United put it on um that they we talked about um that the clubs and the league needed to be committed to this and not just use it for a quick headline when Josh came out and Adelaide certainly from everything that I've seen are fully committed to that they genuinely seem to love and care about Josh the person um as well as all of their LGBTQI plus um staff players everything like that so it was great to see them do that Speaking of Josh Cavallo, he played in midfield. Josh Parrish, what did you make of this game? Um, well, I felt sorry for the Mariners again. They just keep <laughs> copping goals in the 90th minute and stoppage time, and they cop the awful refereeing decision midweek earlier on, and there's a lot to like about that team. Uh, I really enjoy watching them, especially since Jason Cummings has come in. It's made them a lot more entertaining. How good um, is the calm dog? He, the calm dog. The calm dog. Come His was top-notch, by the way. From, <laughs> and Uncololo is starting to contribute in a big way way as well he seems to have settled in so i just this team just keeps copying stupid late goals uh and it's killing them like you know we can say iran kunda's finish was fantastic and it was but it was terrible discipline and with dan hall was the only player who actually tried to track from that free kick and there were two players uh two more experienced players i might add uh one of them was bozanic just standing on the edge of the box and not tracking the play so uh, it was Dan Hall trying to to shield and then he had to try and run across and block the Aaron Kunda shot as well he was guarding two so you can't really use the excuse that it's a young squad when the more experienced players aren't standing up in in big moments and helping them get over the line with the results um, so I've managed to hit a few things there come dog running my Dan Hall agenda I think that was a pretty successful and, and the Luke and the low-key Oli Bozhanich slander I hear from Josh Parrish I mean, 
<laughs> in relation to the hype, in in relation to the hype and the praise that it gets, as you know, the yeah. leader and experienced head in the Mariners' midfield, yet they manage to continually lose control of games. Mm. That's, I, that's true. and you know, he's he's good for the Mariners, but if he was in any other A League club, and he has been, um, you know, he gets a lot more criticism. I remember he was a marquee at Victory one year, and the fans were all over. <laughs> you know, Even when he, he was he at City, slandered. he wasn't. Weekly and booed by his own supporters sometimes. Yeah. You know? oh, but um, your victory fans don't know ball anyway, so. <laughs> there you go, bang. Just, oh, there are a few. Bang, just, there are a few. I, I actually like, remember I was, a, I was at a, one of the Geelong games as a fan, not because I went, but because I happened to be on holiday and I was down. You were holidaying in Geelong? <laughs> no, no, hey. it was. Um... <laughs> but it's so close. Just that's, that's like a da- just count down. No, it's like a, that's nah, a good day food, trip. Good drink. It's a, it's a, it's a day good trip. Place, it's not a holiday. I was. I was. I think good it was like head. Like I was down the coast a little. Bit. Um, <laughs> but I, I came up for that because it was close by. And um, you know the players were doing the rounds afterwards. It was Oli Bozanic at at Victory, and. Um, you know, he was having that terrible year and they fight, they beat a really dysfunctional Newcastle Jets team. Um, and I, you know, ca- and he came around, I was like, I, you know, he's, they were shaking hands and things. I was like, really good game for you today, mate. And he's like, yeah, for fucking once. Like, <laughs> he, was, he was so depressed. Like, he was, you know, Poor guy, really, really yeah. down and out. I felt for him. Um, but, um, you know, uh, he, I, I think the Mariners are just a bit short of something, and I don't quite, I can't quite, quite put my finger on what it is. Uh, but I do feel for them keeping on, on coughing up results. Another creative type. Yeah. How? Creative type. When do you guys think that we'll be able to mention uh, Cummings and not say "come dog" straight after it? Repeat. Sorry, no, mate. Why would you want to get the the, the, the come dog, the hallway monitor? Um, only, only if he comes up with an even better nickname than the come dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, you were going to read out for the Socceroos, by the way. Naturalized Come dog for Socceroos. Actually, we don't need Cappy Bolter. Hashtag Bolter. Hey, we're, we're... Hey, we should we're be capping here in Kunda. Cummings, Volpato. We've got a lot of players to cap for this March window. Man. Can, we just I, start, I think... can we just start playing Denny Genre again before we start capping all of these? <laughs> no, no. I think there should be Even a... Even though he's uh... played really well in the Uber Eats 2, forget it. Like, he's not high on the NRI. If you're playing, if you're playing Uber Eats 2, you're more than likely not going to be very high on the NRI unless you end up like doing really well in your career like a like a Riyad Mahrez or something just like, just that's wait the only season. way you get NRI attributed to the Uber Eats too just wait until uh, he puts Messi in his pocket next season in Uber Eats 1 <laughs> No, Name recognition be, yeah. index for anyone. The, se- the second he gets, the seconds there is a picture of Denny Genro that people can just grab off Getty images of him marking Lionel Messi or Neymar. The, Boom, NRI through the, the roof. Fi- the five best midfielders in the Uber Eats right. one. If Toulouse get promoted next season, two of them will be from Toulouse, like we know of the Boom. Um. I just, if I, I was his agent, hosting this podcast, hey, Stoll, this is I not know. easy, right? If, if I was, I was going to say, if I was his agent, I would tell him, hey, listen, on corners, just go stand next to Messi or Neymar so they can get that photo. Nice clean lens. Don't worry about whoever, whoever your coach says to Mark. Nah, that's bullshit. Stand there, you'll get all the hype. Hey, it's worked for, it's worked for some of the golden generation. Oh, remember that time I marked Maradona? Hey, look, as, as someone who has written those stories and asked those questions, uh, more power to you. Get close to superstars. Um, 
Um, speaking of getting uh, close well, to superstars, Stika played a friendly against uh, Andres Iniesta. By the way, I'm pretty sure I asked him about it in some interview that I had with him. <laughs> that once. was for Hajduk's hundredth birthday, and we ended up playing Slavia Prague, Slavia Prague for our actual one hundredth birthday. <laughs> and it's good to know that really? the most the most memorable thing about Hajduk's one hundredth birthday was that Iniesta was on the pitch. So <laughs> shows where they are in the pecking order. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Continue, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah. No argument to you. Um, Josh, you were gonna read out some comments. Oh yes, um, because oh, yes. you know that's usually the job of the host. But you know, someone has to. Say, I, don't know. <laughs> I can. Look, I'll, host, I'll read Josh out some Parrish, comments. Wedding, weddings, parties, anything. I'll, I'll read um, out some comments. Uh, Leo Messi has written in. Says, "Great stream, guys. Love the new host. Much better direction this week." Uh, some guy called uh, Marcelo from Leeds has written in. He's oh, saying, no, uh, don't do it. "Looking don't do for." A new job. Uh, let it. me know. We'd love to come. Oh. Hold on, Nick. Both these blokes wrote in in English, did they? Oh. I, I, you're so bilingual. <laughs> you're so bilingual. You're so bilingual. <laughs> uh, actually, Josh, yeah, read actually some gonna, actual comments. I'm going to engage with our audience now, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Antonis uh, writes in, good blokes doing well in the A-League. Bring back Kenny Lowe to Perth. <laughs> Honestly, a decent one. Very good one. Very good from you. Uh, Ivan says, thank you, Ante. Couldn't agree with you more. Stop with the MLS comparisons. Matt says, MLS brain could be applied so often to those running things in the recent past, always to our detriment. And uh, Shane Heraldo, always a good follow on Twitter, says, even with NTS, Western United's defensive strength reminds me more of the league's Blanus, making Sydney FC 16 to 17 look even stronger than they were at the back. Uh, then Western Sydney Wanderers 12 to 13 being defensively excellent against somewhat better league. Spot on as per the time. Yeah, just... if you if you don't follow uh, Shane Henry Hiraldo, uh, you really should, especially if you want to hear uh, or you want to read threads about Argentina's national team in two thousand and one. No good, no good. That's no good. No good. <laughs> it's good shit. It. I like it, but it is. You niche. need, you know what? <laughs> like if you're if you're a, if you're a person who follows football accounts on Twitter, you need to follow more people who will actively watch football. I no. and go down, go into the archives. Joey, you want to probably plug something, I guess? No. I just, <laughs> the MLS brain bit, I've been thinking about. It. Like, we often like to talk in this country about, oh, we're too, there's a cultural cringe in Australian football and, it's, you know, we're always deferring to Europe, yada, yada, yada. Is that the real problem? I mean, I look at the people that actually run the sports across Australian sport, all Australian yeah, yeah. sports, the A-Liga, AFL. What do the AFL do every single bloody season? They go to the freaking Super yeah. Bowl and come back with ideas about putting a roof the on the halls, MCG. The halls of Australian sporting power of American Obsessed sports. Obsessed with America. It's, you talk about cultural cringe. Yeah, maybe <clears> there <throat> is a level of cultural cringe in Australian sport. And it's why Australian sport America. is continually soulless. Because American sport is soulless outside of, you know, for, for the most part, like top level American sport, baseball. like baseball college sport. Is... Yeah, baseball is the only bit like, yeah, because baseball is like an American version of cricket, to be yeah. honest. Like, and even know, that's rapidly going losing. to the baseball is part of the experience. But maybe even that is rapidly have, losing uh... its soul in the face of greedy terrible owners who have locked yeah. the players out for God knows what, basically. I, but I, none of you guys are interested in baseball lockout talk. And speaking, oh, yeah. and speaking of, and speaking of greed on the mining tradition, you know, there's also college sports. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? 
I tell you who's got soul. I tell you who's got who's not boring. The box office jets, baby. They <laughs> no, it's, drew. it's um, it's, jets, it's baby. James Brown. He uh, plays for Hume City. <laughs> <laughs> box office jets two. Godfather of slide tackles. MacArthur two. Um, does Tommy Orr just score screamers now? Because Tommy Orr, like this guy, just shoots from anywhere and just boom, it goes in. What's it's going on with the Jets? I mean, what? Scott Galloway had that gimmick for a while, didn't he? Only scored bangers. All right. <laughs> hey, um, you know what? Scott Galloway, after he wore those retro Predators, he, Scott Galloway is a, is a slander-free zone. <laughs> <laughs> there is not one player who wears retro Predators and gets slandered in, you know, in my presence and company. That's not happening. Scott Galloway, you are protected right. until you get cancelled. <laughs> the, Jets, the Jets have had a bit of a, you know, a run through Melbourne. You guys have got to see them up close. Why do you guys think the best team in the comp is eighth? Cattle, um, cattle resources, uh, and this is this is something that graded with me watching the. Um... When you say cattle, who are you referring to? Because. I mean, there's a lot of their play. Michael Tadze is of high quality. Like uh, the cows, of no, 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 no. he said, "Cattle, it's the cows." Like you saw them behind the Utah Stadium during no, the game no. today. It's the well, cows, obviously. Um, you know what? Like a lot of their play, they build better than any team in the A League, but their play just falls down around the penalty area, and mm. you know. You keep, you have players like a Hoffman, you have players like a Daningham, you have players like a, you know, however much. I'm unsure how much better Angus Thurgate makes Newcastle. Um, you know, and he'll provide moments here and there, but consistently over the course of 90 minutes, I'm unsure how much he provides outside of allowing Newcastle to press. Um, Abumal is another example. Uh, Pena is very erratic, but, you know, like. I think a lot of what Newcastle do, and this is, sorry, getting back to my initial point, this was something that really grated with me watching the Newcastle Western Sydney game as well during the week. They were saying, oh, they play such great football, and, you know, why are they higher on the table? Something we mentioned last week Newcastle are running on the smell of an oily rag. And the fact that they even are competitive in games given, you know, the disparity in resources that they have to other clubs in the A-League is, a, is an achievement in itself. And the fact that they even are in finals contention is an achievement in itself. Josh, you're going to... Newey are the Oakland A's, you know. <laughs> There's six feet of shit. And then, you know, um, uh, they they are basically the Moneyball team in the A-League trying to compete yeah. with the big boys on a string budget. And, you know, if you're looking at teams that win consistently across the world football usually look at their spine and they've got strong players in every position up the spine. I think Mikkel Tadze, although he is somewhat volatile and erratic um, with his personality and his form, uh, is, is is a strong, strong player. Uh, Pena will vary wildly from week to week because he likes to shoot from 30 metres every time he gets it. And, you know, he's a player who likes to just try things, you know, he um, try and outmeg people and, and so forth, which I find very fun to watch. But is it a sustainable mm. strategy to win games? I'm not sure. Um, you mentioned Thurgate, Ante. I think he's great if he's got a sort of blue chip, um, you know, deep-lying playmaker, if you will, uh, alongside him. Uh, and if Ugarkovic was still at the Jets, like, woof, imagine. 
And then the centre backs, I don't think, can play the style of football that that Pappas wants to play. Uh, Yerman and Elsie. I mean, Yerman's got a bunch of soccerers caps, I guess. I've never been a big fan of Elsie. I think he's he's mistake prone. I don't quite know, uh, you know, how he got so easily outjumped by Uzcock for the for the corner for the header. You know, he's just standing there. Um, Jack Duncan, I don't think is very good in terms of if you're going to rank league goalkeepers. I wouldn't have him. He'd be right down near the bottom for me. Um, so, you know, they're error prone, the, the central defensive mm. partnership, especially when you're asking a lot of them in terms of playing out from the back. And I think they're, they're one blue chip central midfielder short of being a good team. Uh, but, you know, they've also been incredibly unlucky in games and um, haven't lived up to the XG differential and, and so forth. So I, I think they could go on go on a run at some point during the season. I still think they could go on a run of games where they win and win, but it just hasn't happened for them yet. And I don't think it's a surprise when you look at their wage budget. I mean, on the plus side, the Newey Herald has reported that Brendan Wilson is training with them and they just teased a huge announcement for tomorrow on their Twitter account. <laughs> I don't um, know how much better he makes them, to be honest. Is he going to play well, right back or midfield? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's certainly going to increase their Instagram followers in Botswana, though, and aren't Instagram followers what is the real measure of what a good signing is? Look, one thing that I'll say, uh, an actual legitimate positive, um, is the Mikkel Tadzi uh, doing the Ukrainian uh, the shirt, yes. the kind of the celebration. Uh, I thought that was really cool, um, really important, and also just an example of where what the A-League can do that you know, with respect to all other domestic competitions in this country, they can't do. They, they're just—it's just not. I mean, you know, I guess like that. Well, St Kilda Saints could, you know, lift up a Ukrainian okay, yeah, flag, but they have no connection to the world, and you know that to me was a reminder of the specialness of this uh, sport. I guess the sport, yeah, maybe not the league, considering the league is actively apolitical. Yeah. actively, you know, trying to make itself devoid of identity or yeah. cultural identity or differing but, cultural identity, let's be clear here, sorry. How, but how that the celebration go down if he does was... it against Sydney FC? <laughs> mm. I mean, Sydney don't touch it with a 50-foot pole. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's an interesting one. I mean, I don't obviously know enough about Sydney FC's ownership. <clears throat> Uh, the, uh, you know, Trevenko or whatever. I don't know enough about him to know his relationship to the Russian government or anything like that. Um, and also, I don't want to be no, taken down I, off to the street. To be clear, yeah. Just... Um, but look, it was it was an, it was a nice moment. Um, I think for the league, and, and it was it was good. It was good for them to do it because they don't have to do it, and they're a long way away. And if you don't do it, no one criticizes you. But if you do do it, I think it does say something. So that was really cool. Does anyone, who do we think is the front runner for the Johnny Warren medalist at this stage? Berenguer? Yeah, he's had a good, mm. he's got a good month at least. Um, who, because is Mikkel Tadzi a shout? Yes. Or are they too far down the lake? No, he's, he's I don't, it's, under, it's understated how, like, it's understated how much better he makes Newcastle mm. and how much he, and this is something I, 
I got to see live, and mm. I'm not sure if I mentioned it the last time out, but I've never seen a forward at our league of men's level direct traffic in the way that Mikkel Tadze does. In the so, way that he... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, one thing I actually genuinely just maybe forgot when he signed is he's quite young. He's 24 years old. You know, there's just a part of me, and maybe the way he plays as well. Just I thought of someone who had much more experience in this game because of the way he can direct traffic and because of the way he plays. And there was a part of me that thought, oof, you know, he's on a two-year contract there. This guy has been an absolute steal for the Jets. I don't know exactly what they're paying him. But I do wonder is, A, are the, you know, the bigger fish in the league looking at him maybe even like a Sydney FC and looking, that's a player that we should really be going after, especially because Bobo is obviously on his way out. Seems like LaFondra is well past his best. Um, is that a player that they look at? Or is Mikkel Tardzi even looking overseas? Is, is Mikkel Tardzi even looking beyond the A-League? Yeah, no transfer phase in the A-League, so Sydney can't come and get him. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah to be honest, I, I think... From Mikkel Tazza's perspective, you know, why would you want to... The only benefit going somewhere else in the A-League would present is if he went to somewhere that was playing Asian Champions League and just puts himself in the shop window. But I don't necessarily believe that, you know, he doesn't have to do that to get into Asia if he wanted to. You know, that would be sufficient playing at Newcastle. Oh, you got another shout for Johnny Warren medalist. Yeah, maybe this is recency bias talking, but Craig Noon, he's been good recently. He's laid on a lot of assists. He scored a couple yeah. of bangers. He's, he's just, got the type of game that would appeal to the voters. Yeah, I just, I'm just, for whatever Did you hear about the time he tiled Steven Gerrard's roof? <laughs> Steven Gerrard's like I called up Craig and I was like, Craig, I need someone to tile my roof. Like water's seeping through yeah, it. Cool. I need someone to tile my roof. <laughs> Uh, now you know what's seeping through like so I like called up now, and I've like Joey. gone around to Stevie G's house and I'm just like crack a lad you know I'll do your roof <laughs> maybe you can like give a shout and like get me a trial there at Liverpool or something I don't know I mean one day no, no, let's 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 really like, let's get who, back to who are the favourites who are the favourites so you got, think about the teams that are let's say there how many standouts that there are there at West United for example how many standouts are there at Adelaide United. How many standouts are there at MacArthur? Like these are the teams that are, you know, at the top of the league essentially. I mean, again, it's really recency bias, but Priovic, Priovic is probably the standout player at West. Lacroix has been their most consistent. Been informed for a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Lacroix is a good shout actually. But the thing is, they've been just as good defensively. Center back for Johnny Warren medalist. Yeah, but Lacroix has play. the Lacroix. Lacroix is big. He's tall. He catches the eye. He, Where's he socks low? He goes on runs out of the back line on occasion. He's more of a flashy centre back than that will catch the eye of the vote. You, this thing is voted. It's voted mm. on by members of the media and referees. And all that sort of stuff. <laughs> what are you? What are you laughing at, Ante? No, just the, just the legitimacy of awards voted by media members. <laughs> Well, screw you too, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, Joey, uh, give us an update uh, on the dub, the dub this week. It's getting to the pointy end. Well, for most of the teams, there is only one game left, and uh, effectively, Sydney FC has wrapped up um, the premiership for the second straight year. 
Um, they've got one game left. They're on 32 points. Only team that can catch them is Melbourne City, who have two games left on 27 points. So in theory, Sydney have a difficult game to come against Adelaide United. But even if they draw that, their goal difference is so strong that they will still win the premiership. I think, what is it? Let me just check. City's goal difference is 15 worse than um, Sydney's FC. So they're going to have to hammer the Newcastle Jets. Um, and I think it's Western Sydney Wanderers that they play in their final game. Yeah, so they're going to have to ha- hammer the decidedly not box office Jets A-League women's side and um, Western Sydney Wanderers to win the premiership. I think the big thing to look at, though, is who is currently capable of knocking off Sydney FC come finals time. And that's going to depend on a few parameters. The first is the health of Courtney Vine and Jana Wyman. Courtney Vine limped off with what she said was a calf injury post-game in the 70th minute of their win over Perth Glory today. She was walking. She did a post-game interview. She looked to be fine, but... She missed last season's final series with an MCL injury and lo and behold, Sydney FC can't score a single goal in the grand final and lose to uh, Kyra Cooney cross Olympico or a Yada Wyman own goal if you take a Pelizzeri. Um <laughs> Yada Wyman as well copped an incredibly nasty looking knee to the face in the 92nd minute was just flat on the floor, flat on her face for about two minutes, barely moving. She's got up and finished playing, which one I don't agree with. I mean, in a situation where you, even if you've used up all your subs, if you're up three, one in the 92nd minute, um, just, put her on the sideline and put somebody else in goal whilst you check her for concussion because that looked nasty. Where's May and Mykofsky when you need her? <laughs> pretty pretty, pretty much. So for um, those uh, who don't know, uh, Mel Victory Stoker Markovsky went in goals late in the Adelaide game. Yeah, following on um, from John Markovsky that Andy Howe discovered did it once in a game his side lost 6-0 as well. Mm. Um, but if Wyman develops concussion symptoms heading into the final weeks of the season and has to miss any time, that could be very important. Conversely, however, Melbourne victory, basically, the the fact that they're basically playing half a season in 21, 22, 23 days because of all the postponements and that, that is obviously taking their toll on them. Yes, Josh? Seven games in February. Yeah, it's killing them. Uh, After not playing... Since what was it, Jan sixteenth? Yeah, between Jan sixteenth and February fourth, and then they had seven games. So yeah. they're just wrecked. Like victory, they're... there's no. This is not a true reflection of how good victory are and can be. They've had a patchy season, yes, but on their day in the finals, I wouldn't count them out. Once they've had a bit of rest, on their day in the finals, assuming Alex Chidiak is healthy and is starting, um, also assuming they've got the finals. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Um, we're heading into the last day of the season, they have a two-point lead over Perth Glory for fourth space. They play, victory plays Canberra United in their final game. Perth Glory has Wellington. Both sides will start as favourites in that one. Basically, victory, and if victory, victory's goal difference is that sufficient strength that even if they draw, Perth aren't catching them. However, based off current form, 
Victory can't be backed in fully to win that game against Canberra, even though that they it's not being they've got over a week's they've got just about a week's rest before that one. They've got six days rest. A big thing for me with Victory though is Melina Ayres is supposed to be coming back for that game. She hasn't played all season, but she can score goals. And as a finals wild card, Melina Ayres is a striker that knows where to be to score goals. She's not the most gifted athlete. You know, she's not going to do barnstorming runs, but Melina Ayres just gets into positions in the box where she scored goals. We saw it in last year's um, A-League women's competition. Hello, Nick DeBano, you lazy bum. I finished filing ages ago. Um, we saw it during the last A-League women's season. You even see it, even though it's somewhat obfuscated by the fact that she's playing opposition that cannot touch her. You even see it in the NPLW competition where she's just, the reason she's scoring six or seven goals in a game is because you just look up and, oh, where's the ball? oh, it's at the feet of Molina Reyes and she's scoring another goal because she knew exactly where it was going a minute before every other player did. So she could be a huge addition. For Melbourne City, they'll get Hannah Wilkinson back. They're going to get Rebecca Stott back from international duty. So they will be better than they were against Brisbane Raw when they just completely surrendered the midfield to Katrina Gorry. What a surprise. Um, just long balls forward, couldn't connect, all of that jazz. My question over City is City, City's worst run of form this season came when Holly McNamara was away with the Matildas. Holly McNamara is now out for the rest of the season with an ACL injury. Can Melbourne City adjust comes finals time in a two-legged semi-final series and then a grand final to win silverware? I have my Doubts. Do you have um, any faith in Adelaide, uh, who made finals football for the first time, and Fiona Watts, uh, the famous Macca's employee, got a hat-trick? I do have more faith in Adelaide than I have ever had in the past. The fact that they are actually have secured finals allows me to let all the faith that I had in reserve that had been taken away until they actually qualified for finals to come back into the picture. My view of Adelaide will, I think, be shaped a lot based upon what I see against the Mid-Sydney FC in that final game. Even though it's effectively a dead rubber for Adelaide to the extent where just looking at the table, they can't fall out of second or third. They will be in that second versus third two-legged playoff series in the semi-final. That's guaranteed. So I'm going to be very interested to see what they produce against Sydney FC. And that might um, dictate how I see them. For Perth Glory, I don't have the making finals. I really struggle to see how Melbourne Victory don't at least take a point off Canberra United. However, um, I'll probably say it next week on the pod as well. You have to give enormous credit to what Perth Glory and Alex Aparkas have done this season. This side set the record for fewest goals scored in the last season, didn't win a single game last season, have... During the off-season, Apark has, has basically been living on YouTube, watching NPLW Victoria and NPLW New South Wales streams. He's been giving players that haven't really had a shot out here on the East Coast games, players like Sofia Sakalis, um, Alana Janczewski, um, that have come into that squad. And what do you know? The kids have been able to perform when given scope. 
it's remarkable. And they've been able to do this. Maybe it's helped. I don't know that they've got so many interstate players. They've been able to do this whilst effectively living on the road for the entire season. And the club and the APL are supporting them, but we already know that the A-League women's squad isn't as well-resourced as A-League men's squads, regardless of the circumstances, good or bad. So what they've done, I think, is truly remarkable. And if Aparkas can keep the core of that side around for a while, because Lisa Devan is the big veteran addition. She hasn't been starting. She hasn't been a linchpin for this team. If he can keep that core around for a season or two, I'm really excited to see what they do. Uh, we were talking about Johnny Warren medal contenders earlier. Uh, what about the Julie Dolan? Uh, I think Fiona Wirtz is going to win it, and I'm loving it. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good to run up. It was good. It was worth. It was worth the wait. <laughs> I think Fiona Wirtz is a very good shout. I also think a Sydney FC player is would also be a very good shout. But I think my problem with Sydney FC is they're going to take votes off each other. I would say McNamara before the injury. Yeah, it depends upon how many points McNamara is a, was able to bank up betwixt her international duty and her ACL injury. She'll she'll be up there, but not sure she'll have played enough games to win it. All right. Well, there's also the the shout that maybe Chelsea Dorber could win. I mean, she's got ten goals from the wing. That's pretty impressive. And she's going to get votes in a lot of. She's going to get votes, and but that but then we could be running into the same situation where Wurtz and Dorbus start taking votes off each other. True. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, it's always a crapshoot in this team. Sometimes it just goes to the best player on a middling team that are good, but don't have that many players to really <laughs> yeah. challenge. I mean, heck, no, otherwise Alex Chidiak hasn't Hayman. played. Uh, yeah, Alex Chidiak hasn't played enough to win that sort of thing. But who knows? All right. You know what I know? I know that we've been going for over an hour, which, again, is a massive failure on my part. So, look, we don't have any really more topics to go except for big picture things. All right? Yeah. Big picture things. We're for another 90 minutes. Yes. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm worried about. Those of you listening at home, uh, you know, this is the last subject, but it's a very wide open subject, and this could go all off the rails. I'm hoping that we're going to be done in 15 minutes. So let's see. Yeah. Let's see. This is this is a safe space. Does anyone want to bring any big picture things to the table? Um, first of all, hello everybody. Because uh, Joey was giving me a chance to respond to his uh, his little you know dig. Uh, sorry, Joey. It's called filing a second yard, not just one. We get paid for two <laughs> at New School. Um, yeah, but anyway, read mine. So open, open, uh, mine, yeah. Well, <laughs> If I speak, uh, but anyways, <laughs> you, 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 with respect, you guys were both writing about Western United Perth in Tasmania. All right, I no, think there are more people writing about it than reading about it. Right? Anyways, anyways, um, I, I just wanted to ask: Have we spoken about the vault? Like Joey summed it up perfectly with the picture of the vultures this morning. But have we spoken about Marcelo Bielsa yet and this discourse? I know that it seems like the discourse about a big NRI name seems to come in every single time that. I enter, uh, especially with Christian Volpato last week. This week it's Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah. Just curious, like, what, what are our thoughts on it? We got to the you know, level of Vulture, and I thought you were saying Volpato again. I'm like, we've done this. Tomorrow hey, he's playing. He, he might be playing tomorrow. So if we want to go again, and he, he scores tomorrow, yeah. let, let's do it. <laughs> about, about the Bielsa hire. People have spoken with um, with lament 
over the burnout that the Socceroos experienced under Ange Postacoglu. What do you what do they think the burnout's going to be under Marcelo Bielsa? But more than that, Australian soccer just keeps looking for a savior. Mm. I'll tell you what, though. Good good savior. Like, if you're going to go a savior, he's probably I mean, the one I go for. I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> hey, does Marcelo Bielsa fix Australian soccer's problems? I, You know, honestly, what I think would happen, I think he would come here and he would get so frustrated with everything. Yes. Like, this is a guy who's walked out of like multiple clubs because he's been frustrated over things like the way that the builders were building like the new stadium and training ground. What, and what do you think about, when, you think about when, why he left Athletic, for example? Yeah. They did they they sold Javi Martinez, they they let go of Llorente or sorry Llorente was frozen out and then from that like he he like he wasn't renewed after a second season. And they made a UEFA Cup final the season before. Like this guy crazy. this guy doesn't like um Let's say Whoa. broken promises from above. This guy does not react well <laughs> to <laughs> interference. So, look, this is the other thing. If you bring someone in like Marcelo Bielsa, and by the way, I don't even think, I really don't think the Socceroos would be on Marcelo Bielsa's radar right now. I would imagine. I, I would imagine he. You said a nice thing about break. them in 2018, Nick. Yeah. Look, look, he Cody was. Cole, he said a nice thing about Australia. He's still not here yet. Unless he likes the sound of a, another reclamation project, but that, this might be a reclamation project. That's too great. Yeah. Well, hold on. Well, what, what 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 does the the uh, the pod think about Teo Pelizzari's theory that he should replace Tony Gustafsson? I like it. I like it. I'm not going to lie. I like it. Uh, look, look, but this is the other thing as well. Like, I love Bielsa. I am a massive Bielsa disciple. You could say. Bielsa and anything to do with Australian football, yeah, yeah. and I will say yes, no matter the circumstances, because you know you just oh he's coming here, that's incredible, but that's fraught with danger for obviously obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, again, it's just a case of the savior syndrome, and I don't know if it's helpful to the discourse us constantly going, oh this guy's our new savior, oh this guy's our new savior. Yeah, Tony G was our new savior at one point, and that has not worked out quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I want. It might be according to some sections of the uh, of the media. I want go. Bielsa involved in Australian football for one reason, and that's because he will cast the net wide. He will mm, watch actually. every single match, every single stream. He'll be watching MPL Victoria games on Clutch TV, mate. <laughs> I want, if he can want, figure out how to sign no, up. No, no, no. I want. I want Marcelo Bielsa as, as a soccer risk coach for one reason alone, because he'll speak Spanish at the press conferences and piss off like Robbie Plater. <laughs> so, like, can we call you... Like, he's not going to be happy with that shit. Are we, can we I'm call you uh, Aussie Mark? <laughs> Mark, Ante Ante, are we going to get another... Uh, that's not fair moment when Ante starts speaking Spanish at the press conference. That's, that's, that's not fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can I just say you can't you you can't comprehend a Cockney accent and then you've mocked me for months. That's not fair. It's <laughs> not that's not how it sounded. I know, I know. I know. All right, inside jokes. Being, anyway, anyway. Inside. look, my point is that no savings. We talk we talk about oh, we need Marcel Bielsa. We also could have these last five, ten years or whatever, we could have sent some of our best coaches to go and study with him and learn some things from his you know, like th- there's ways to get the best from some of these coaches without having to bring them here 
Like there are ideas, there are concepts that you can apply, that you can learn from. There, there, I, there's just so many things that I think it's like we could do some of the things I, that Bielsa has done, but there seems to be no appetite about it. Nick, do you realize how much of a sacrifice that is for Australian coaches to even go overseas? <laughs> what that means from a life perspective? Like if, especially if you didn't play and you have hey, the financial hey, Mickey, capital. Mickey Cholino did it. He went and learned off Slavin Bilic. Come on now. Come on now. Don't, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> anyway, I just think I think rather than being uh, like desiring a saviour, we should at least be looking at what can we learn from all the kind of top coaches around the world and then bring that knowledge back to Australia. And I just don't think we're doing that. Um, does anyone have any other big picture things they want to talk about? You know, there's a bit going on this week. There was VAR. There was AAFC. All right. Second division report. Who read it? Who liked it? Who didn't like it? Let's go. Joey. Once again, um, I there are certain things that the AFC, AAFC does which I think they could significantly improve. For example? Um, their social media presence. Um, uh, becoming, um, I, I reckon that would have been fantastic if they just hired somebody to run that, um, run that for them and just come across as very professional. Because as we have discussed many times on this show in the past, there is a significant, there is a significant cohort that is not going to give anything res- uh, related to the national second division or proponents of it any benefit of the doubt. Um, oh, good for, basically. One has to present a very small target if one is advocating for a national second division in the public sphere. The report itself, what did you think? The report itself, once again, uh, echoing what I said when the first initial report came out, I very much applaud them for bringing out something that demonstrated, just actually backed up what they were actually wanting with an actual report. They produced something for so long. The criticism was, tell me how it's going to work. Tell me how it's going to cost, yada, yada, yada. And whilst the AAFs people will no doubt, and I have seen numerous people taking issue with the AAFC's numbers and their assumptions, the fact that they have even produced a report allows us to have that conversation and allows us to move the discourse forward. So it's not talking about, oh, clubs can't afford it. It's more, well, here's a number that clubs can afford. And the conversation is around, is that enough? Do we need more? Do we need less? And that conversation can move forward. Um, The contents of the report itself, mooting three different models. One, full nationwide, home and away. The second, conference home and away at the beginning that narrows into the best of the best playing uh, home and away after that um, around the country. The third, um, examining in a not too charitable sense, Football Australia's mooted Champions League format. Mm. Um, and I think it raised it, it raised a good number of issues with that in the sense that how, the Champions League model is mooted as reducing costs. Does it really? When clubs are basically going to be, would ostensibly be expected to maintain the costs of playing in their local NPL and also absorb the costs of competing in this uh, mooted national second division, the Champions that League format at the same time. Division. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and ignore, this is ignoring all of the, the philosophical objections in that a Champions League format is in no way, shape or form an actual yeah. second division. Um, it's a distraction. 
um, but I don't think it addresses um, the cost argument. I don't think it guarantees people playing the best of the best of the best um, because you look around the co- – it's basically a glorified NPL final series. Hmm. Anybody that has watched the NPL's final series in the past few years can tell you that that has not brought about the best of the best of the best. Um, I don't think it guarantees teams raising um, standards uh, and minimum facilities levels to compete because hypothetical environment under a Champions League model, hypothetical environment, Eastern Lions could go on a run and compete the Champions League format. Nobody in their right mind, not even the Eastern Lions, thinks that they should be in a national second division. But this format carries a way of them doing that. And obviously they wouldn't meet the facilities um, meet at their own ground. So what do we do? Do they for- do we force them into another ground and incurring all the costs of playing in another ground? Hey, it works for everything. Now, now, just because they beat you handily on the weekend, Auntie, don't be salty. Shit houses. Um, no, but <laughs> okay, look, just I... kind of back to the big picture. Do with this release of this report, do you think there's been a lot of talk of 2023, a national second division? Do we think that is close to happening? Well, as it will, it is going to happen. As I'm sure you all listen to it in full. As James Johnson told me on the Bully on the Lead podcast, they have they have two mod- they have two dates that they are looking at, depending upon the alignment of the seasons. It will either um, kick off in mid 2023 or late 2023, moving into 2024. Sod off next doll. Um, moving into 2024, depending upon how they want to align the seasons, do they want to align them with the National Premier Leagues or do they want to align them um, with uh, the A-League men competition? And I think James Johnson wants this because I think he's, he's increasingly seeing it as a signature reform, something that you know he can add to what he's doing. He's gonna He sees himself as coming out here winning a Women's World Cup. Introducing legacy. a domestic transfer system. Yes, hashtag legacy. Introducing a domestic transfer system, instituting this new club licensing framework that he's exploring, um, instituting a national second division. Bang. Look at all those accomplishments. He's only 39 years old. This bloke has a long, long career in front of him. And it's not going to be a career that is limited to Australia. So it is in James Johnson's best interests to introduce this competition in 2023. And get out as soon as possible. (laughs) That might depend on how... Don't worry about the execution. Then you're putting it diplomatically, Joey, but like when speaking about his legacy and what he's done, what he will have done for the Australian game, I know it's it's more important than actually putting it in than to actually overstate it. But it is in his best interest to also have it work. Well, and it's also like we don't need him around to make it work necessarily. Again, this is the same complex. You know, like the um, these things need to be beyond the individuals who introduce. You know how we had that. um, Good point. You know how we had that uh, Mourinho. Uh, soundbite. We, we're going to have the one with Magic Johnson when he was G- uh, GM of the LA Lakers. I prefer really not to um, not to speak. If I speak, I am in in big trouble. Sorry, I'm not going to be here. Um, yeah. Josh, I, look, I, your I, thoughts? I think, oh, sorry, Josh. 
I guess a counterpoint um, word of caution from me. Um, I, I think back, I mean, Australian soccer is full of politics. Uh, so I'm going to draw an analogy to actual Australian politics. Uh, if you think back to the 2019 election, when Bill Shorten brought out this incredibly uh, comprehensive policy platform and published all the costings and everything, and it just gave the incumbent government a chance to pick holes in it. Mm. Um, and I worry with the AAFC, I applaud them for putting all this out there publicly, but I worry slightly that the people who are against this and the people who don't want this to happen for selfish reasons are going to start picking holes in their proposal. But I, I like that we can read all this. I like that we... I tell you what, essentially being you can pick holes in the A-League about... Get into politics. Like, Shorten didn't lose the election because of, you know, the Liberal Party picking holes in Shorten's policy. It's because, you know... The Australian public needed the housing Australian housing Ponzi to continue, and that's why they voted liberal. But anyway, um, at the end of the day, I'm I'm with Joey on the, in the sense that it's good that they've actually come out and added to the discourse by providing something tangible to the Australian footballing public with respect to the actual implementation and running of the competition. Um, however much we might you know, think with respect to both the formatting and the, you know, maybe generous projections that the AAFC have provided. Um, at least we have a starting point now in relation to where where this competition can go potentially. Um, I think that's more important. I, I think it's it's just, it, my point is it's easier to, to sit back and, and critique and tear things down as opposed to adding something. And I think this is a fantastic um, contribution to it. And I applaud all the clubs who've put money into this process to become partner clubs of AAFC, even if they know in some cases that they're not going to be part of the initial cohort. I think that's, that's fantastic. And it shows a level of collaboration at the lower levels of the game uh, that we haven't always seen. So it feels like a moment for me. I'm going to disagree with you there, Josh, in the sense that it's it's not the AAFC responsible for implementing the National Second Division. This is just suggestions on their part. It's FA that will be doing it. What the AAFC is doing, you're talking about there's the discourse and there is picking holes in arguments and all of that. But what is going to happen now, because they've produced this report, people are going to be picking holes in the arguments that the AAFC has put forward. They're not going to be picking holes in hypotheticals put you know, that are being fronted by people that don't like the idea of the NSD. By putting this report out there, it's the AAFC that are setting the conversation. We are talking about models on their terms. We are talk- the, the debate is now centering on their terms. We are not debating um, hypothetical numbers run off the back of someone that says it's going to cost $10 million to, for each club in a national second division. Hypothetically, we know the PFA have run the numbers and said that it will cost a lot more to field a national second division side than the AFC think. We're not talking about the PFA's numbers. We're talking about the AFC numbers. That's the reference point for the Australian football public. So I think that is valuable in that sense that, yes, they are picking num- they are picking holes in the numbers, but it's the AFC's numbers. That is the framework. The Overton window has shifted to what the AAFC wanted it to by releasing this report. The only, let's say, potential pitfall that I have with with that, given the fact that FA actually, you know, making decisions at the end of the day, given their knack for point scoring, 
how do they respond to the whole picking? I I I I think point scoring, you're going to get a lot more points off a lot bigger fish than the AFC. No, 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 no. It's not with respect to the AFC, but in terms of the implementation of the second division, in relation to what the AFC had provided, how do they like? I'm just talking, just spitballing with respect to their their ultimate implementation as a means of appeasement. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll just keep this short and sweet. I just want to talk about in terms <laughs> of like, you know, MPL Victoria, this coming, like MPLM Victoria coming back this week, MPL South Australia coming back. Um, I think we can all attest, at least for those who have gone to games over the past two weeks, that just having it back and having a bit of an example of what life could be like with the second division has been great. I mean, we've seen the scenes, you know, Knight Stadium. I know the, the pitch wasn't great. I mean, the pitch was abhorrent. It, Not hopefully, just putting it like, hopefully. Um, but in terms of, you know, the, the atmosphere, I'm sure Josh and Joey can more attest to it because they called the game. But, you know, I'm sure the atmosphere was great seeing that. Um, you know, even at bloody Eastern Lions versus Oakley, I know Joey used them as an example. But I'll tell you what, among the whatever 200, 300 people that were there on a freaking hot Saturday afternoon, it was great. Like, you know, it's good to see that that local side to it. And I think you don't get that a lot um, in an environment where you obviously, you know, you go to a Western United Sydney game on a Wednesday and you compare that to a Saturday afternoon at Eastern Lions, that different sense of, you know, tangible support and, you know, excitement around that and, you know, proper feel around it. So, I mean, in terms of looking at it, if administrators want to see it, all you have to do is chuck on NPL.tv and watch it or at least go to a game because there's excitement there. There's a t- tangible sense of what actually could life could be like. And I'm sure as the season continues, we're going to see more of that, you know, at more grounds around Victoria, around the country. So for me, I think look, if we get it going, fantastic, because there's a lot to like coming out of at least the NPL in that sense. That's a good point. Uh, look, just before we go, because I do. I did have another point, but I'm going to let Stoll move us. Stoll, so <laughs> yeah, get angry at me. You can you can read Joey's points in one of the 25 publications that he actually. Uh, this wasn't for. under. The, I was actually going to um, spot, um, cut my nose to spite my face, but okay. You were going to, but now you're not. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> a League. Look, it was a sorry, rough week for sorry, the A League. One, one, sorry, one point on EPL. Zoom out. Broadcast. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This isn't the this love isn't of smart. This ah. isn't smart for me, considering they pay me. But I am hoping that yeah. Clutch. Let um, me say it because I'm independent. Move. Yeah, I'm independent too. I'm fearless independent journalist. <laughs> I, I hope that the early season troubles with the Clutch app, the streaming issues, are resolved quickly, um, so that more people can access the NPL. And yes, zoom out. There, uh, Darren, so the, the, Darren the cameraman in NPL Victoria, use him as an example. He's amazing. He's fantastic. Yeah. And shout out to Darren who braved every element that went against him yesterday in terms of battery packs frying and footage cutting in and out and everything that went wrong. That's what you get at NPL grounds. It, it, it's There's some hard yakka. So shout out to the, the cameramen and camera people who get it right. Good job, guys. Uh, shout out to them. And this is hard yakka as well, trying to give this pod under a minute, under an hour 30. Look, this is why you're not the best host, Nick. Just, just, I just wanted to uh, kind of point out 
on, I think it was Wednesday this week or Tuesday this week, uh, you know, there was a whole VAR controversy in the Melbourne City uh, Mariners game and there was a real existential crisis and it comes off the back of, uh, you know, Western Sydney Wanderers played a game against the Melbourne Victory and there's a real existential crisis off the back of that. Uh, and look, we're going to preface this all with saying, look, obviously we love Australian football and we want to see Australian football do well because that's our livelihood and the amount of volunteer hours, including this podcast that we do put in because we care about this game. So before people start saying, you don't care about this, or you're you know, putting on people on shit lists and whatever, it's just absolute bullshit. But anyway, uh, John Stensholt, a business journo uh, who wrote a book about the A-League with Sean uh, Mooney. Um, Friends of the pod, he, Sean Mooney. Probably he said, along. He's probably going to tweet about this now. Well, <laughs> But I just want to talk about uh, – yeah, shout out, Sean. But I just want to uh, – this is what John Stensholt tweeted. And John Stensholt, he's not a, you know, a huge hot take, mer- you know, throwing things out there all the time. But he did tweet out, reckon the private equity boys are wrapped to report $130 million into the A-League tonight. The ringleaders of the comp, referring to uh, Melbourne City, playing in front of more seagulls than spectators as VAR ruins it for the dozens watching at home on a streaming service no one has. It's a crying shame. Like that is an absolute brutal tweet to read. Then I think it was the same night uh, I heard uh, Danny Townsend on uh, Simon Hill's radio show with Alex Brosk and they asked him about, you know, a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of issues. You know, this is an interesting um, discussion. But he said, oh, we're already using that private equity money to keep this league going. This private equity money is not being invested in the future. It is to keep the current league, and I would say the current league right now is in maybe the worst I can remember it. Nick DeBarno, I'll start with you. And look, this could go long, so maybe we need to have a whole separate podcast about this. Just um, as someone as someone whose livelihood, yeah. you know, relies in part on the existence of the A League, how worried are you about its existence? Um, I, I I'm not gonna lie. Um, I am a little bit worried. Um, just being there Tuesday and Wednesday night, you know, it's it feels a bit depressing at the moment. I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, there's just this sense of unexcitement right now. You know, I remember first game of the season, Melbourne City versus Brisbane Raw, sort of going in and thinking, oh, you know, probably got caught up in that initial wave of like, oh, this this does feel maybe a little bit different. Then very quickly soon after, just being reminded, oh, it just feels like not much has really changed. And as the weeks have gone on, as the February football frenzy has come into full swing, it's felt like that sense of excitement is gone. Um, and Tuesday night just felt like, it felt like ground zero. Um, in terms of at least this season, but just in recent, just everything you could think of to go wrong, it felt like it was almost a perfect storm, like a perfect chain of events. Poor crowd for the reigning champions. Um, VAR, you know, in terms of the VAR rulings and everything, everything shat the bed with that. Like, God, I, I, you could feel that frustration with Nick Montgomery. You could feel it through soccer Twitter. And meanwhile, you know, Danny's on um, SEN talking about the fact that you know that they're already using that Silver Lake money to prop the league up right now. It, it's quite, it's quite sad. You know, we we all in different ways. You know, we rely on the league to to make a living. Um, you know, the league functioning allows us to write, allows us to work, allows us to give us something to talk about. Um, it just felt, it felt, putting it bluntly, it felt really shit. It felt really, really shit Tuesday and Wednesday night. 
Um, it, it actually was, it was, it was super depressing, you know, being after the game and sort of just seeing how frustrated Nick Montgomery was and then just writing up the whole thing. And even just when you read Nick, what Nick Montgomery and heard what he had to say, like with his three minute answer at the start, you know, he summed it up perfectly. It was a sad night for football, but it wasn't just what happened on the field. It's what happened as holistic. It all just felt sad. It felt super freaking depressing. And um, the fact that, you know, now we're seeing as much as it's a decent initiative for $10 tickets to the Sydney Derby, you know, to see that as a reaction to, you know, the low crowds to try and get people in. They shouldn't have to sell $10 tickets to the Sydney Derby. I know that cheap tickets, you know. talking about Tatsumas getting done. Sorry. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to that in a sec. But in terms of $10 tickets, like the Sydney Derby should sell itself, really. You shouldn't have to lower the prices to ten dollars. You that the, the product should be there, and the fact they have to do it as a reaction, I think that that kind of says it all, really, doesn't it? Well, not only that, I mean, you know, there's always the talk of oh, we can't compete with the other football codes for space and whatever. AFL hasn't started yet. NRL hasn't started yet. Super Rugby, which let's be honest, you know, d- does not really cross over into A League fans very much. Crosses uh, over, yeah, but watch what you say, considering it's on stand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer not to speak. Um, shout hey, want to watch Super Rugby? Watch it on stand. Hey. Um, it's a fine streaming. It's a fine streaming service. I hear they even have a pause button. Yes, and a rewind yes. button. Uh, like I'm going to be using that for the World Endurance Championship. Um, yeah, shout out to Great, great place. Thanks for shout out to Lamont. Joey, you actually spoke to Danny Townsend this week. You know, if you want to, if you want to hear from the big hitters, uh, go to Joey because he's spoken to James Johnson and Danny Townsend. What, amid the myriad of questions, I imagine you asked, what was kind of your big takeaway from him? Uh, so yeah, we went forty-five minutes. So I'm just trying to think. Well, uh, there, there's a ton, and the big thing that takeaway will very much depend upon your um, exact priorities. You know, and given the unique situation that I was in, basically a forty-five minute on the record chat with the managing the director of the APL, I tried to hit as many of them as possible. So it's like it's on the pod coming out tomorrow. There's. Uh, I try to frame it in a way that we actually could take something sort of like lessons learned from the drinks breaks, why he, why he and the APL thinks fans are frustrated. So I wanted to know why they think fans are frustrated, not tell him why they were. I wanted to hear what he thought. I asked him about how they improve the quality of the football. Um, Spoiler alert. It's because they're all investing and pulling in the same direction now. Um, Asked about the Wiley. What private equity money? investing um, in their squads and in their own setups now because it's them doing the business. Yeah. It was very, it was very business-like. Meanwhile, the top three teams in the league are getting older. Well, it was very, I did ask about youth development um, as well. Uh, It's Y league now, I league youth coming in the off season because the priority right now isn't very pressing. And a lot of the stuff, the really cool stuff, is apparently coming in the off-season, because the focus right now is simply getting the season done out of the way um, with all the COVID stuff that's gone on. He thinks that crowds are going to improve as the season goes on, because he thinks that fans will see packed-out houses for the AFL and NRL, and a few of the misgivings will disappear from there. I don't see um, it, honestly. I don't see it. Like, I wish them the best of luck. And, like, and I really, truly, I'll watch any domestic Australian football competition that exists forever because I love it. But it's just, there's just so many, like, 
red flags and even the way that like they just kind of want to get the season out the way like this is meant to be a fun competition that you're meant to enjoy not something that we endure he, oh, and it'll be good next they, season no he, no, he does say that there are he does say that there are initiatives on the way this season. So he says there's something cool on the way around finals time that everybody's going to enjoy but, and all of that sort but of is stuff. Like what, a, like, is it a, what, is it a like fun press song? Conferences? Or, or a fun song that, you know, for the intro music, which, yeah, it was all right, but it doesn't make people really invest. It doesn't make people watch energy. football. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, did, he did acknowledge to me that the APL has not done a very good job bringing fans along for the journey. Um, he said that they were very good at sharing their strategies with stakeholders, sponsors, the networks and all of that sort of stuff, but they hadn't done a good enough job of sharing that with the fans. A pretty crucial so that, stakeholder, some would say. Yeah, so, yeah, that was, so that was going to be a priority for them moving forward. I guess maybe the big thing I could share on this pod, I did ask him about the Paramount Plus and the UX on Paramount Plus, specifically the lack of a pause button, um, rewind and that. I'll just, I transcribed it for an article that I, and I didn't even end up putting in the article, but since it's here at hand, I'm going to read it out. Reminder, you can catch this full podcast 45 minutes long tomorrow. ESPN's Beyond the Lead on Spotify. That's me justifying reading off some of their material on this podcast instead. That's for them to answer. That's for them, them being paramount. That's for them to answer that question, frankly. But they're very mindful of it. When they stood up Paramount Plus to cater for live sport, if you think about what that platform was built for, it was built for episodic content. Um, and I admitted a series of shameless plugs he gave for Paramount Plus TV shows from my transcript. Um, you don't need to. You don't need the live sports interaction on that. But I think the difference is that the Austra- is that Australian sports consumers have been spoiled by KO and Optus and now Stan Sport that has had a great user experience for live sports because they were built for live sport. So Paramount Plus has got to adapt to that. They've got an absolute commitment to that. They know that where they're at right now is not where our expectations as a league and our fans' expectations are going to be met. The time to get that done is probably harder when you're a global platform and Australia, unfortunately, as part of a global business, is not often at the top of the tree. But Australia is in high regard because of the performance of Paramount Plus from an outsider sports perspective. It's been highly successful. It does start to have a bit of weight in these global conversations, so there will be a lot of changes in time. The point in time now is always the thing that people will zero in on when it gets fixed, but when it gets fixed, they forget about what it was like. Optus Sport almost missed a World Cup because their functionality wasn't right. Stan Sport in the early days was struggling with rugby. KO took a while to get all those functionalities up. These things aren't simple, but as long as our commitment to each other is to improve, that's what they're committed to doing. Look, that is valid that all those streaming platforms did have initial issues, but because they had initial issues, you can learn from that and you can not repeat those problems. I, I don't know. I think it's... He, he is correct in saying that this is ultimately a paramount responsibility. The APL has no ability to just dem- to just go into the Paramount Plus code or whatever it is and change it so that there's a pause mm. button. They are relying on Paramount Viacom. Um, but as has been pointed out to me, one would have expected uh, these sort of UX things to be part of the negotiations. So I'm not sure why they weren't included in that. However, I'm not a business person. I don't know. I'm just speculating. That is... That is sorry. That is very, very clever from Danny T to um, to make the packaging of the league solely with respect to the UX of the app. 
No, to be fair, I was asking him about the UX. That's specifically. Fine. That's fine, but he he kind of this is you, you get the sense that he would like to direct the narrative in that way. One also has to take I uh, I like well. I don't know. Maybe it's some questions that you know. Maybe I could ask in the future on Nick Dubano or anyone of us could be asking. Mm-hmm. How much say does the APL actually get in the talent that has been assembled regarding your complaints about the? Um... Genuine question: Is that is that the APL's decision on talent, or is that a ten thing? I don't know. Like, is it no, like is it a producer's thing? Man, if, look, what? Can I just say I mean, they did I'd hire actually... the best play-by-play caller in Australia, so they got at least one thing right. I, <laughs> I would just, thing? I would just say that I don't think that is the crucial problem because not even enough people are watching these broadcasts to say I don't like this person and I like this person or whatever. that's the the talent i wish i wish more people were complaining like this was i was trying to make this point uh when people were complaining about the var thing which look it was a terror two terrible calls but it it didn't annoy me obviously as much as it annoyed some and people go absolutely mental when this var stuff happens but to me at least the one thing that i'm happy about is that people seem to care my biggest worry is that people are just going to stop caring and I feel like we're very close to a tipping point where it's hard to come back from that. Josh, if you want to jump in. Sorry. Ante, you go first. Sorry. No, I was just about to reference a point that you made last week. The reason apathy exists is because people have switched off. Yeah. Like if you sold them a lemon, like they're going to walk away, like Josh said last week. And that's, it's hard to not see or hard to not connect the dots when you think about, you know, a pretty pretty prevalent apathy with respect to the R League, I mean, at least. Because there is a pretty sizable difference between, you know, the Socceroos and the R League, I mean, looking at it in purely men's footballing terms. Wow. Well, my thing about people caring is that, you know, it's always going to seem like a shit competition if there's no atmosphere in the stands. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how good I'm. Look, for most people, I'm not Ante. I don't, you know, put jazz music on the headphones and make the commentary. <laughs> uh, I actually do care about the atmosphere at the game when I'm watching on TV. Um, and if it's, you know, Perth Glory versus Western United in Launceston, it's always going to seem even worse than it is when there's no, mm. there's no real crowd atmosphere. Um, and the other thing is, uh, to go along with that, is the. A-League kind of MLS brain, um, you know, default market doesn't really exist anymore. You know, there's uh, the kind of family ticket that this stuff is catered for. Those people aren't going to live sporting events. You know, people are struggling financially post-COVID and uh, people have got better at entertaining themselves at home on a Friday or a Saturday night and they don't go to sport anymore. It's too much of a hassle, you know, to go to Amy Park and get an overpriced chicken and chips and, you know, uh, like it's just, and especially with all the midweek games, like forget about it. So Mm. I I think the entire A-League marketing strategy for many years has been wrong and they should have been directing everything towards 
drawing active fans and tr- the clubs working individually with their active support groups to try and bring people back and mend fences and repay, well, uh, I guess try and reinst- reinstall the uh, or restore the faith that was lost after the whole, you know, Rebecca Wilson posting people's faces on the front page of the Daily Telegraph or whatnot. So, you know, that, that we've never we've never recovered from that. And, you know, it's it's a post-pandemic. Uh, World War Three is about to kick off. You know, it's disaffected youth. That's who we should we should be catering for. Like that's that's I, what the market is. I just want to say quickly about crowds, Josh. You make a really good point in terms of interests. A lot of I th- I'm not sure whether people are going to be flocking back to the footy and to the rugby straight away. Like just just putting it bluntly, right? Because. You know, I think that there is a hope probably amongst those fraternities that they're going to pack out the G for the opening few games and they're going to be able to do all that. But I just get a sense that there just isn't the same yearning when you ask people, you know, do you really want to go to the footy or do you want to go to the soccer or do you want to go wherever it might be? I just don't feel like it's there. And this is not just an A-League thing when it comes to crowds, guys. Like, you know, I know that the Big Bash was on at a different time and, you know, we can. it's an easy sort of comparison to make but their crowds suffered too and they used to get bigger crowds a while ago and so did you know even the tennis crowds weren't necessarily amazing this year i know it suffered due to no international tourists but still it suffered Hmm. it's just a change in the way people are consuming media at the moment but when you look it, it is hard to as you said josh turn on a product when there's no atmosphere you know how hard did we find it you know watching football in general around the world when there was no one in the stadiums, like watching in Europe, that was some of the, you, you, you try and tell someone, oh, get up at four o'clock to watch a CDR game. Like the amount of Milan games that I just could not pull myself up to watch live. Cause there was nothing tangible. There was no excitement. Cause you're watching, you're There's listening no to explosions in the stand, no random explosions. You, all you, all you're hearing is Stefano Pioli yelling at Castillo for 90 minutes. That, that in itself, yeah. as much as it's entertainment, it, it gets worn out. There's no excitement when there's chances on goal, you know? Um, Look, so just it, a, it is, a very, it is hard. So, an example no, of just, that, like just, I was just going to say, for at Stan, yeah. for example, we never use highlights uh, from that season that was behind closed doors. Uh, Rightfully because so. It, we, it just looks terrible. So if you, we're running uh, you know, a compile of like the goals, unless we really have to, unless it's, you know, the, oh, we need to show you the Champions League final from 2020. We just don't. It looks awful. It sounds awful. No one uses it. It's a forgotten why it's, it, it's almost sad when you see Ben Garuccio's goal. And it's only to the chorus of 2,000 fans. Like, this isn't a knock on Western United at all. This is a knock on just the fact that it's sad that that goal should have thousands of fans screaming behind it. Like, that should have... you. The one thing I always remember when I think of great A-League crowds is the 2015 Grand Final. When you hear when Bessart Barisha scores the opener and literally the microphones are popping because the levels have just gone through the freaking roof. Like, you know, we're not going to get that every week, but you want a bit of excitement behind that. And the fact there was only 2,000 people to see... One of the great goals in A League A League's history in Australian football history, and we got no one there. It is it's it's just kind of sad. It's meek. Ten, is ten teams ideal for the A League? I mean, ah, surely not. Ten teams, no. the same teams playing each other constantly. Like that's I feel like that's also one of the problems. Is what Western what? United have played Wanderers twice and then Sydney FC twice, like so, in four so weeks. What? I don't care. But at the same time. You stretch the league pretty thin by expanding, and you stretch the, let's say, base of our league of fans. Mm. 
pretty fit if you go. Hey, I know a diaspora of football fans that are existent, but you know they haven't tapped into those markets just yet in terms of certain pre-established clubs prior to the A League. I don't want to let Antego too far down the rabbit hole in terms of you know those clubs, but it's true though. It is true there is those established clubs. So I wonder if that's another. I mean, it's been the the, the age-old argument, you know, ever since expansion yeah. became a thing. Do you, Ante, do you think 10 teams is ideal? I think 10 teams is ideal, size-wise. Yeah. I don't know. It's just I think that's a very boring competition, 10 teams. No, it isn't. Hi, that was great with 10 teams. <laughs> <laughs> different also, different population. We're talking about the experience. <laughs> Not really. Four, four and a half million people. You know, Nick, Nick, uh, you were talking about the experience at an MPL game being being better uh, a lot of the time. It's because it's at a small suburban ground. You know, it's an intimate viewing experience that you don't get uh, at a lot of these venues. So, I mean, we've been talking about it for ages, boutique venues. And unfortunately, um, other than, you know, we, we, there was talk that oh, Victory, they're going to outgrow Amy Park if it doesn't have more than 30,000 seats or whatever. Unfortunately, you know, it's the crowds are shrinking. It's actually, we've lost weight. The pants are too big now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like, built, they built a whole new stadium for Wanderers because they were selling per tech out too much. It's a pretty sizable difference between Brisbane games at Suncorp or Lang Park and Brisbane games at Redcliffe. And and the break with that stadium build was when the Wanderers completely lost their way and their identity. I mean, maybe mm. he's going to that. Uh, including the CEO who's just been sacked, which we haven't talked about at all tonight. Well, guys, just, well, just one more tiny thing before we get to Satsumas as well. Just one small thing. In terms of like Sydney FC, and I think there's also been that talk that when they build it, Field of Dream style with Sydney FC, the fans are going to come back. I don't know if we're going to be getting that many more fans back because there was only 3,000 people for the grand final rematch quote-unquote, uh, last night. So will the fans, will the Sydney FC fans emerge from the woodwork? I mean, what were they even averaging at SFS? Because from memory, they weren't always getting, there was a lot more blue seats than there were mm. filled terraces at, you know, at Allianz during especially the last few seasons when they were dominant as well. And now they, I think they were still always over 10. To form a but it always, regional yeah. identity in the southeast and they're split on whether they actually want to make the leap and take the plunge. Look, it's rough. It's rough times. And I wish I could finish on something positive. So does anyone have any positivity to bring to finish this? We started with some positivity. We want to finish with some positivity. Uh, It's been a very positive experience spending another hour and 47 minutes talking with you guys. I may recommend listening to this show on 1.7 should get you in under an hour. No guys thinking there from Nick Stoll just like undermine the quality of this product, which is absolutely far and away better than anything else in Australian football in this course. Mm. One speed. <laughs> Just one little shout out. One little shout out to another Aussie playing overseas, and I know that there might be some some uh, galaxy brain takes in the, in the coming weeks if he keeps mm-hmm. playing. But shout out to Alessandro Cercati who made his debut for part of me yesterday and played ninety minutes and did a good job in Serie B. Um, again, I'm going to continue being the gatekeeper. Let's park <laughs> it. Let him play. And then we'll decide whether we have to cap him or not. <laughs> but good on him nonetheless. I, I, I'm glad to see that he's actually getting minutes over there. And also, it's a big shout-out to Perth Glory because they, he came through the Glory Academy. So uh, good on another young Perth player coming through the ranks. Debano bravely cutting through the hype on a guy whose name I literally just heard for the first time. <laughs> Remember who he's playing in front of. 
by the way. Just that that yeah. is throwing two points. Slash... Chop him down immediately. Playing in front or playing behind the Argentine slash Italian Max Burgess and Franco uh, Vasquez, mate. Franco Vasquez. <laughs> and one Stunko Yunich, who might be the worst midfielder yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, and also, um, yeah, John Luigi Buffon as well, playing in the same team. So good, good little company right. there. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, look, jo- Josh Parrish, uh, you can hear him on FNR. Joey Lynch, you can read him in ESPN and The Guardian. Ante Jukic, uh, you can read him in ESPN and long Twitter threads that I scroll through after the, about the third one. I'm like, okay, this is getting too much. Uh, Nick <laughs> Devane, News Limited. Joey, you are on mute. So if you want to speak, uh, you have to <laughs> unmute yourself. Go on. Right, so I did have one thing. I wanted to look down the barrel. I wanted to let the sound people know. Hey, the national curriculum. We're up to something. Okay. Cool. Uh, don't, even, don't even know what that means, but good luck. No, please we're, write we're in. We're up to something. Keep an eye on the national right. curriculum. We're up to something. All right. Please write in if you want to speculate wildly about what we're up to, uh, and then we'll have an exciting announcement, which will probably massively disappoint you, like many A-League <laughs> <laughs> We, hey, we, we we could have a fancy new song. Fancy new song, guys. Fancy new song. Who knows? They write for the Melbourne Papers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm wrapping it there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>